Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> this is my first time here this year, so Happy New Year. Happy New Year. My name is Eric Orr, and it's my good pleasure to welcome you this morning to River City Church. Uh, here at River City, we teach and read through the Revised Common Lectionary. Now, the Common Lectionary is a set of readings that work their way progressively through the Bible over the course of three years. We are now in year one. Our reading today is from Psalm 29. And Psalm 29 reminds us that the Lord is always speaking in every place. 29. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory do his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The glory of God thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. In his temple, all cry, glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. Amen. I ask you to participate with me as we pray for the needs of our community. God, we are waiting here for you, asking you to come, waiting on you for personal needs, waiting on you in the unrest in our country, in our world. As it says in Isaiah 42 of Jesus, here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. So God, this morning we ask you for justice. We sit in the waiting, preparing our hearts, God, that you might come to those, God, who are in need, most of all, but God, that you would also come to us. So we pray for the universal church, its members and its mission. And we pray for all of the churches in the Smyrna and Cobb County area, God, for the Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, Catholic churches. We pray for Cumberland Community Church, Square Church, God, all the churches that gather together, even this morning to worship your name. God, that we might be unified. God, we pray for our network churches that are scattered across Cobb County. God, that we would be a faithful witness to your name. God, we mourn this week for the persecution and the struggles across this world in your church. God, for the murder-suicide that happened this past week in Kenya by a pastor. God, who committed the act in front of his congregation. God, our hearts break. We grieve with those who grieve. We ask, God, that you make sense of situations like these. 
Lord, hear our prayer. Rest in Iran and the plane crash this week, killing 176 people. For the 21 people killed this past Saturday in a truck accident in Guatemala, Lord, hear our prayer. he has been sworn into office this past week, that he and the new city council will impact change to improve the lives of Smyrna and Cobb County families. We pray for every man and woman to be able to earn a living wage, that our community will be able to offer affordable housing for all who seek, and that every day our residents will enjoy a life of equity, each person to their own needs. school reopens for the spring semester, Lord, we pray for our educators that they will be blessed with patience and understanding for their individual students. Lord, give our educators the light to shine your love into the world so that all children may know that they are valued and loved. Lord, hear our prayer.
together as a big old family. we like as a body is to know who needs prayer when they need it and one of the things we have is on Facebook and it's called a Facebook prayer wall and if you'd like to join that reach out and let us know a lot of people are on it and it's how we find out sometimes the things we pray for in prayers of the people one of the things we missed today that is kind of just happened I'm just going to do it because it's okay but um, Wanda Masters is not feeling well right now and so somebody might get mad that we're praying right now but um, people sometimes like to be kind of low-key on when they need prayer. I'll never get that. I'll never understand it. we got a body that likes to pray. Let's pray. Um, so we're going to pray for one of masters all together right now, okay? So everybody close your eyes or open them. In Jesus' name, we ask you to intervene right now. In Jesus' name, we need you to step into the hospital room for Wanda Masters right now. She needs you. And we believe in you, and so we lift up her right now. Jesus, as a daughter, as a created daughter of yours, be with her. Provide healing, be with the family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm sure, is there anybody we missed quickly, like that is, needs prayer right now in this room? Thomas, we're going to pray for Thomas. Okay. Who else? Right here, Christian. Yeah. All right. Jesus, we pray that you would touch Thomas and Christian as well. Healing, hope, all of it. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm going to jump right in today. My hopes are in prayer month, we're going to be providing some of the spaces at the end of services that a lot of people don't get typically. And I said it last week that if you were involved in a, into a community 500, 800 years ago, some of the first things you would have learned, we don't even teach anymore in churches because they're not quick and easy. And some of those things are the spiritual disciplines or spaces created as a vehicle to the end, which is to be with Jesus. And these are spaces like silence and solitude, retreat, Sabbath, prayer, scripture, but not just ingesting, but sitting with, being with scripture. And so at the end of service today, we're going to give a couple different things that we've never done at a service. And I'll explain them at the end. Um, I'll give you a little bit of a brief for now. There's going to be an opportunity for a prayer in this room that's about 20 minutes of one-on-ones on how to hear the voice of God. Um, we have not capitalized on this. We are not the best people to do this. There's not this one way that we've like locked in on that is, this is exactly it. We're just people who want it, okay? And then over here, we're going to do a prayer built around forgiveness, and that's going to be led by Leslie. And uh, you can jump into that or you can't. I'm going to give a prompt hard end for people who have kids to get their kids at the end, but we're going to keep the space during the month of January kind of open at the end of services for people to receive prayer, pray through the resources. I'm providing every week resources, books, or practical guides on how to do the things that we're saying. So you'll see today that there's a prayer, a book from Dallas Willard called Hearing God, 
Um, and then there's also an added practice that you can do built around listening. And so we're trying to give you guys some of the resources. Sometimes it's just as, it's not even difficult stuff. It's just the process of saying, I'll try this and then doing it, right? Like that's just as hard as it is sometimes. But I'm going to start today by just reminding you that we have, the idea this year is we're going to create spaces all year long for three things. And we got these things, they're kind of buckets formed by John Mark Comer at Practicing the Way, which is a great resource. It's a it's a discipleship-oriented website, and the, th- th- the three things are be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. There's a reason it's not reversed. It's not do what Jesus did, become like Jesus, be with Jesus. I think that's probably something that we're all used to, seeing something that Jesus does, being a part of a community, here's how we do this, and jumping into the doing, because doing's easier than being present, really. It's just accomplishing a thing is easier, but there's a reason why Jesus took time to develop these. Even him, the Son of God, who, right, didn't, as we pray, didn't need to be cleansed, right? He did that for our sake. He needed to be with his Father, so he got away to pray in gardens, and he practiced Sabbath, and he rested. He was able to sleep on boats where people thought they were going to die, like the kind of Sabbath and rest we don't really get. And this is why he was also able to live a peaced rhythm, a rhythm that's not hurried, a rhythm that's non-anxious. He was this idea of a non-anxious presence within a group of people. And so um, the, the last two things, become like Jesus and do what Jesus did, doesn't mean that those aren't important. So what we do in some circles is say, well, all that matters then is just to be with Jesus. The end is not just to be with Jesus. Or why would he have put us on this planet, right? Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what he did. We are sent into the world to practice and model this. They call it practicing the way of Jesus, right? We read that last week in a passage. They followed, he followed him on the way. Blind Bartimaeus followed them on the way. The idea is to become like Jesus, not so that you can act like him or look like him, but so you can have his DNA right? Same blood kind of thing. Live the way that he did because it's who you are. And so today we're jumping into a little bit of prayer. First thing I want to say about prayer that's a difficult thing for Americans already is that prayer is the idea of submission and humility. So if you struggle with submission and humility, or if you are a human, if you're either one of those, you either struggle with submission or you're a human, then prayer is probably at some point for you a difficult thing because the entryway into prayer is the idea that you don't have the, the answers that you need, that you are looking to something beyond what you're limited to do. Intercession is about that. It's about, we don't have the answers to this, step in. Listening prayer is, I don't know what to do, speak to me. Scriptural prayer, praying the scriptures, it's, I'm taking what's extracted from this text and believing it's important in my life. So for people to believe and want prayer, pride is right off the bat. If you don't like to be told what to do, which none of us do, if you've been trained and raised in a pattern that says, don't be transparent, don't be honest about what's happening inside, cover it up at all costs, don't be broken in front of people, don't actually ask for the things that you need, prayer will be tough. Or it will be so learned that it'll be the kind of prayers that Jesus spoke against, right? Don't stand in the streets with all of these beautiful prayers, praying a prayer just to be heard. But prayer is the idea of following Jesus and becoming intimate with him. And to me, the thing I'm going to talk about today, listening prayer, is my favorite kind. Um, Petitionary prayer is difficult for me sometimes because I like to have the answers, and I don't know how to fix all the stuff happening right now. 
So listening prayer is exciting for me. It's the idea that I'm going to receive something from Jesus. I might not get the answer to the thing, but I'm going to be with Jesus, right? I'm going to leave that space. So for me, it's a fun place. But for you, it might not be. And if you're already like, why are we talking about this today? This is a topic I don't love. I don't want to talk about, I'd rather talk about mission. I'd rather talk about accomplishment. I know what the Bible said to do. If you're struggling with that, then today this might be difficult. And I think it's, it's smart for all of us to recognize that there are people in this room in very different places with this. And that just because we can stand up and say, this is how to do it, doesn't mean that people are going to receive it that way, right? And I'll say this about where you're at with that. The journey that you're on with it has a lot to do with the kind of relationship Jesus is trying to build in you. That your journey doesn't look like Leslie's, who's ready to do this, or the Craig's, who trained people in this, doesn't mean that you're not as important as a person or a Christian. I believe that the story that you're walking in, the story that you're telling with your life, is form-fitted for you. And the struggles that you have with it are parts of the equation that he's going to lead you through because you need to learn the lessons from those. So if you struggle hearing the voice of God, that's not an end to this conversation. That's where you're at. And it's good to be at that place and then involve community and then seek. I truly believe the job of the body of Christ is to seek and press into. And I understand that voices have harmed you. And I'm not speaking to everybody in here. But I understand that you've been manipulated by spiritual figures that should have cared for you and parents that should have loved you and nurtured you. But let me just say this, like, that doesn't mean we should throw it all out. That he wants to speak to us in a way that would say, son, daughter, I love you so much, so that you could recognize the voice of your father as shepherd. Just because people did it terribly, and they always do, doesn't mean that we should throw it out and just be like, I'm moving on from that portion. We need to hear the voice of our father as a community right? We are the vocalized, we are the embodiment of God's voice to a city. So if we have that burden to be the people who speak into powers, like we sang the song that from Andrea Saad a few weeks ago, if we're going to be the community that believes we're supposed to speak truth to powers, we better be hearing the voice of God. Or we're just recapitulating what we're hearing on CNN or Fox or, right? What, what better time would there be than right now to understand and decipher the voice of God? I tried to watch news this weekend built around what was happening. It's awful. Each one, each bucket is saying something and has such a polarizing agenda. How do you extract the voice of a father who is passionately pursuing a people to draw them unto him? That's our job, though. It's not the job of CNN. It's not the job of Fox. It's not the job of the other one that's worldwide, BBC News. It's not their job. It's our job to be the people of God that will decipher the voice of God and then act on it with compassion. So we need to hear the voice of God. And it does start with you being with Jesus. I believe you can be with Jesus today. So I'm just going to talk about a couple things. I'm going to read a couple things. I'm going to send you into some things. Last week, I did not want to preach as long as I did. And when I do that, what I start doing is like getting antsy and like wanting to get it done. And people are like, were you antsy? And I was like, shut up. No, you were antsy. Y'all were antsy. It wasn't even me. But I'm not going to try and do that, but I do want to give space at the end. Um, just a couple words you need to know. Cessationism is the idea that after the, apocaly- or the, um, the, disciple- the disciples were gone, after the apostles were gone, the age of apostleship, that the voice of God stopped and the gifts stopped. We don't, we don't believe that. So when we talk about hearing the voice of God, we're not just saying pick up a Bible and read it and what you extract informationally is what, is what is happening. We believe that you can actually have an encounter and interact with God. 
through the Spirit of God and the text. Even my friend who came and preached talks about the text as an interaction between community, spirit, and the family of God. And all three of those things are essential to understanding the Word of God, right? We can't just read the Word on our own. None of us have the strength we need to do it on our own. We have to have community to throw ourselves upon one another. So when we talk about reading Scripture, don't get from this month, go read your Bible. Get from this month, you should be horrified to read your Bible alone. Somebody just left the church right there. (laughs) Take your Bible into community and, and sit with it. God, what are you speaking to us? And you'll notice that this person says this is what's jumping out, and this person says what this is jumping out, but we have a body. We are the body of Christ, meant for this text, which when we read it, we believe it is the word of God for us. It is what we follow. So it's important to do it, and it's important to do it in community. Today, we're going to talk about some of the ways God has presented himself as a voice in the text. And so I'm going to pull up and ask you guys to open up to Psalm 29. And you can get there um, on your phones or in your minds, like you're just mentally, you're there? Yeah, cool. Um, This is a passage coming right after the people need God severely and right before God has answered and they're figuring out what to do. And this is the passage right in the middle of that. So I'll read it to you. It's also one of my favorite songs um, by who? Who knows who sings this song? Anybody? Not Mercy Me. It's definitely not Mercy Me. Corey Asbury, no? Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right, nobody knows that in here? Okay, all right, here we go. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders the Lord. Over many waters. What does that instantly make you think of right there? Genesis what? Genesis 1. Okay, we're tracking. All right. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. Eric Stobnes, are you in here? Is cedar a hard wood? Thank you. You want to give like a little side note on his business? He builds stuff out of wood, so if you need something, awesome. He makes the Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. Two very different things. And in his temple all cry, glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. So there's a little bit of a pattern. There's a celebration of who God is. There's a reminder of his glory. There's a reminder of saying the kind of ways God speaks to these people. And then it ends with God gives them strength and peace. Really quickly, Genesis 1 talks about God hovering over the water. It's almost one of the first things you read in the Bible. The Spirit of God is hovering over the water, and then God starts to name things, right? He starts to put name to things, and then it has a function. So we see right off the bat that in Genesis and in Psalm 1, the voice of God is the starting of things, 
It is a creator of things. I actually believe that the word of God is actually simultaneous with action. When God God speaks or spoke, the action happens, right? So there's not this idea of like, God, you you, you talk a big game, but it's not like that with God. It's like God's game is his talk because it is his action. So it's like intertwined. Does that make sense? Like with us, we can say a pretty thing in church, but then people are like, you're not living that. His word is action. It creates. It starts. It's the beginning of things. He actually names things like he does. We're going to see in Matthew 3. He names what things are. And I don't know, are they those things because he names them right then? Or is he labeling what he already made? I don't know. But I know that his voice is power. His voice is strength. So we see in Jeremiah, you can pull this one up. One of my favorite texts I used to use as a youth pastor. Is my word not like a fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rocks into pieces, right? We used to use this passage to talk about people who struggled with their identity, which again is human, like all of us. Is God not strong enough where he can break the cedars of Lebanon or the cedars of our ideas of who we are or the cedars of our imaginations we've created about ourselves? the things created? We see that God's voice in Psalm 29 can actually act as creation. It's acting, his voice is, it says at one point. It is creation. Another part says he's actually equipped to the things created to destroy them, right? We see that in the Old Testament text, and we're like, that's great to know, and we all kind of all know that. But as we move into the New Testament, I want to read you a couple other things. Can you pull up uh, Matthew 3? This is a very different kind of painting a picture of God's voice, and you've all heard this. We've already talked about it today. Then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan to John to be baptized by John. John would have prevented him, saying, I need not to baptize you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered John and said, Let it be so, for thus is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. John consented for Jesus, right? And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. It's a different kind of voice. It's not breaking the cedars of Lebanon. It's not a word like fire that's a hammer that destroys. It's now coming to identify a loved one, right? It's coming and calling, it's naming the son beloved. It has a different function here. It's still the voice of God coming through Jesus Jesus is the word of God too. There's so many layers here. Jesus appears. God speaks even to Jesus, the one who didn't need to be cleansed, my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So he's named again. He's naming things. He's always naming. I didn't prep this, but he's always naming things and then they step into their role, right? He's naming and then it becomes day, night, right? He's naming, right? And it becomes. He names Jesus and you know the story, Jesus goes off into the desert. We don't really know why. I believe it's because there's a, the temptation is there, of course, but I believe he is discerning the voice of God for himself and learning because he's tempted by the voice of the enemy three times. So it's, the voice of God is huge through the text. And so this reminds me of another passage you all know, and you can pull up 1 Kings 19.12. It's a different kind of voice. It's not the power-breaking voice, but, and after the earthquake and fire, But the Lord um, was not in the fire, and after the fire, the sound of a low whisper came at a still, small voice. Who's heard of that, the still, small voice? So from just the passages I've just read you only, and that's just a few. Can you pull up the, the PowerPoint slide? We see that the voice of God creates, 
The voice of God begins things. The voice of God can destroy or even shake created things. The voice of God is action. The voice of God is gentle. The voice of God names and identifies. The voice of God encourages and loves. And I just have to say this again because Jesus is that important. The voice of God is the one who tells Jesus who he is and us who Jesus is, which can't be secondary. That's got to be right in the center of the table, which is what we'll do later. So this is important, and it leads the question for us to be asking. I understand, Josh, that in the Old Testament, God spoke these ways. I understand that even with Jesus, the voice of God was there. So how do I do this, and is he really speaking to me, right? Well, we have to look at another passage to talk through this. So if you'll pull up, pull up 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 16, if you guys want to open to that, it's fine. And I'll read it to you. That's why we have the scripture text. No one ever seen or heard anything like this. Never so much as, this is the message version, right? I don't typically use the message. I was like, this doesn't sound right, but it's because I asked you to use the message text. And so it's my fault. But I want to read you this Eugene Peterson's take on some of the text. All right. That's why we have this scripture text. No one's ever seen or heard anything like this. Never so much as imagined anything quite like it. What God has arranged for those who love him. But you've seen and heard it because God, by his spirit, has brought it all out into the open before you. Right? Jesus, the gospel. The spirit, not content to filt around on the surface, dives into the depths of God. Picture that. The spirit of God diving into the depths of God and brings out what God planned all along out of the depths of God. Whoever knows what you're thinking and planning except for you yourself. Now back to you. You know what you're thinking and planning. That's the depths of you, right? The same with God, except that he not only knows what he's thinking, but he has let us in on it. So this is a massive shift. That's a huge thing right there. He not only knows what the heart, the spirit of God, not only knows what the depths of God is thinking, but we are now brought into it. God offers a full report on the gifts of life and salvation that he is giving us. We don't have to rely on the world's guesses and opinions. We didn't learn this by reading books or going to school. <laughs> Eugene Peterson, all that guy. We learned it from God who taught us person to person through Jesus, and we're passing it on to you in the same firsthand personal way. Quick side note about this. Paul is speaking to a people who very much valued the wisdom of the world, who very much, they met just to talk about the newest ideas and discuss them at the era pegas, or era, that's, I think that's how you say it? So he's inter interjecting into a group of people who really, they're not just like country folk out there killing deer and eating them. They're like, we're going we're gonna to talk through these important matters. So he's bringing this into a group of people who already have good ideas about what should happen. He's saying the wisdom you're receiving, right? It's not that it's all terrible, but it's not the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God is what you need. And so the unspiritual self, just as it is by nature, can't receive the gifts of God's spirit. There's no capacity for them. They seem like so much silliness. Spirit can be known only by spirit. God's spirit and our spirit. So remember this. Think about this. The spirit of God. The spirit of God goes into the depths of the heart of God and is in that space. And then now he's going into the depths in the heart of you and your spirit. You have a spirit, right? You have a spirit within you. The things that are underneath the surface. The spirit is in the depths of God. The spirit is in the depths of you. There's no capacity for them. They seem like silliness. The spirit can't be known only by, the spirit can only be known by the spirit. God's spirits and our spirits and open communion. Spiritually alive, we have access to everything God's Spirit is doing and can't be judged by unspiritual critics. 
That's so fantastic. Isaiah's question is, is there anyone around who knows God's Spirit? And this is the, the gospel writer going back to the text of Isaiah and asking the same question that he asked. Is there anyone around who can know God's Spirit? Anyone who knows what he is doing has been answered. This is the answer when this happened through Jesus and the Spirit of God that we talked about in John 14, 16 last week. Christ knows and we have Christ's spirit. In a lot of the versions it says, and we have the mind of who? We have the mind of Christ. So this is a massive shift in the way that believers following God through Christ can act and be in the world. A massive shift. It's saying to you that you have access to the voice of God if you love your father Jesus. That's huge. That's huge for you to know. A couple things about this. Where do, so this is the questions that start happening right now. If, if I'm you in your seat, I've had struggles with hearing the voice of God all my life, trying to figure out what's going on when, it's, when it feels like I can't hear the voice of God or even just talking to people. I've had a conversation in here in the past month because I said something that sounded like I have an audible conversation with God and I've never had an audible conversation with God. I was talking to Justin who told me about a book about a, a revivalist that literally had conversations with God every night right? That's never been my experience, but I feel certain when God is speaking to me in a lot of ways because I know who my father is, right? So a couple of the things about hearing the voice of God that I believe you need to be brought in on. Number one, a lot of times it happens in your imagination, right? God speaks so much about our imaginations, about our minds, even about the depths of us. So why would he not use what we are already in, 95% of your day, you're in your imagination in your own head. Right now, you're thinking thoughts, you're thinking thoughts. Why would he not be able to do that, right? This is why I love imaginative prayer. This is why I encourage you in the forgiveness prayer or prayers of learning how to hear God because he speaks into those places. That begs the question that I struggle with because a lot of people say, I heard from God, and a lot of people didn't hear from God. And we know that they haven't at times because it's either manipulative, it's controlling, it removes the equation of others being loved by God, it's demanding, it is self-seeking. I think one of the biggest issues with prophecy right now or deciphering is this prophet building his own kingdom or is he speaking or she's speaking for the heart of God? These are things that keep us. These are one of the areas where like, I'm not going back there. I'm not going back to the like God speaking to me camp. I'm not doing that. Because I've been in that camp, and there are idiots floating around everywhere. But I just have to say, while there's those people in that camp, there are people not idiots in that camp that love Jesus so fully well, right? And the people who were those idiots in our lives, because I've been that idiot multiple times. I shouldn't have said idiot so much, but I've said idiot as many times as the voice of God was mentioned in Psalm 29. So, that's... so learn from the people who did it wrong, right? If you were spoken to in a way by a spiritual authority or a just a parent who was a spiritual authority because they're your parents. And you know that this way was not a way that brought fruit. Learn from it. Seek forgiveness. Ask God to help you forgive them. But don't build a camp around it. Don't build a whole theological construct around a thing you didn't like happening. Right? That's not, that's not living the gospel. That's not living the not gospel. Living the gospel. Right? Become the person who knows how to discern between right and wrong, between what you should and shouldn't do, between how you should and shouldn't present the gospel, between what the Father says to his that he loves, his beloved. We know his voice. He just spoke to his own son. Why would he not speak to us like that? 
Another thing about the voice of God that's hard is when God is speaking to me, at least, it's never condemning. It's never the end, right? Jesus gets the last word. Grace gets the last word. Hope gets the last word. So, and I heard this through one of the things I'm practicing the way I love it. When you evaluate yourself in your mind mentally about who you are, which we do multiple times, multiple times a day, you're usually one of the most condemning voices. I imagine that almost none of you wake up and you're like, I'm literally, you're thinking this, I'm like the best dude in Smyrna. That's that's not the way that we think about ourselves. We try and distance ourselves from acting a way or becoming a thing. But so when God speaks to me a lot of times, this week specifically, I made a point every day. I'm going to stop and listen. I'm going to ask God to speak a phrase to me. I know that that's troubling for some of you because he hasn't spoken a phrase to you. I believe you can hear God, but for me, this is how he spoke. And the first thing he said was, you are a good leader. And I know that I would not say that to myself. This is just me being honest. Can I like be the transparent me for a little bit? That's not a narrative I speak to myself. I don't wake up and go, I'm a great leader. My thoughts are, I need to be a better leader because evidently I'm a terrible leader. So when I hear in prayer, "You're you're a good leader. I'm thinking, that could not have been me. It was edifying. It encouraged me. It removed anxiety. It removed frustration and stress. It removed the idea that I need to make people buy into that I'm a good leader. The next day, he said to me, I love you. I was like, that's just stupid. I already know that. <laughs> no, and then he was, I, was, I wanted to move on. I wanted to move on and get another one. He's like, no, no, I need you to know that. That's not too big for your mind. That's not too small for your mind. You don't believe it. So I start having a conversation. This is what happens with me. I start to, he starts to lay into something that I did not expect him to say, which is typically things like, you're my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, which edify me to the point of moving into the gospel and wanting to move people into the gospel. Not the gospel of religion where people are praying loud in the streets, but the gospel of peace of Jesus Christ. That's like something to live for. Like to see people come to the fruit and the knowledge of Jesus to come alive, right? to step outside of broken structures and systems that have grown within us our whole lives, which all of us have these, right? All of us have these things that have grown so strong in us that we naturally respond to them. We're already following voices. Some of you have such a harsh narrative against yourself, and nobody in this room knows it. You are such the strongest critic for yourself, but nobody would ever know it. You only say negative things. There was a season in my life where I literally caught myself saying over and over again, I hate you. I hate you. I would say that in my mind to myself and let the conversation happen. It wasn't me being like, I should say, I hate you right now. I hate you. It wasn't that. It was like such a strong narrative of belief for me. It had to be broken. And I promise you, human wisdom was not going to touch that cedar. That needed something so much stronger. And within each of us, right? He starts in those places. The internalized belief systems that keep us behaving away. We believe the voices we take in. We believe the voices we take in. You already do it. That's why we dress a certain way. That's why we act a certain way. We believe the voices, and there are so many, and this is probably the biggest. There are already so many voices inside of you, right? We are all like legion. We really are. We're like legion. There's two to 3,000 voices inside of us. All of them need to be extracted and thrown into the sea, thrown into the lake, all of them, so that the voice of the Father can speak into that, the new rhythm, the new voice, the voice that says, Marilyn, you're my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased, that says, Jordan, you're my beloved son. That starts, that's the naming, right? That's just the naming. 
That's just the beginning. That's what you begin to think. But it has to break into Psalm 29 and destroy the cedars that are already there. Believe me, there are cedars there. And only Jesus can do that. Jeremiah, we talked about it. Like his word is like a fire, like a, like a hammer that breaks things. Those are the things now. We don't need to speak to these trees to be shot into the atmosphere. That's stupid. They're beautiful, right? That's him speaking to us right there. Those trees are beautiful. We need to speak to the structures that have built themselves so strongly in us that is keeping us from walking into the kingdom right now. That's the things. So the voice of God, I just went on a tangent. I'm really sorry. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up in a second. So the big question is, how do you know if it's you or God? I'm going to read you a few things. How can you know God's, it's God. It lines up with the heart. Some of these you've already heard. Don't, don't do what I did when I heard God say to me, I love you. Injustice lines up with the heart of Scripture. This does not mean that you have to find words that line up exactly like it. That's our, the English translation isn't even the Greek or the Hebrew translation, so don't look for it to be exactly like it says it in the King James because that's ridiculous, right? That's, it's the heart of the text. Jesus is living, so the living text has a heart. It's not just pages. So the heart of the text, we know that the heart of our Father is he's speaking peace, right? He's drawing things to the feet. He's drawing all of us into peace, right? That's the goal. We'll all be around him in heaven, worshiping him, right? All tribes, all. So we already know some of the things that the Father does. He wants to restore people, right? He came to bring life and not death, right? He came to free captives. We know the mission of Jesus, right? Brings glory to God. When he speaks, is it something that's bringing glory to you or to God? And there's two, those are two different things. There's such a theology built around us being the head and not the tail that we only get things if it's good, and sometimes we miss the best things that aren't so great but are great, right? Like, like the thing you're going to have to walk through to hear the voice of God for yourself is a great thing, but it'll feel like a wall. It'll be a gift, so good for you. But if you're just expecting to wake up tomorrow and it's like, Josh Groban is God's voice singing in your ear every morning, then you're going to be disappointed, right? But that's not that it's not God, right? So everything he does speak, though, brings glory to God. It will motivate you into Christ-like action. He will not ask you to pick up something to harm someone, period. That's not the voice of God. He actually says to what, your other what? I love and forgive, turn your other cheek. That was, that was a bad prompt. That was my fault. Brings peace. That's another big thing. All right, so another thing really quickly before we send off. Nothing is something. Everybody say that. You pray, you hear nothing. Nothing is the something. Why am I, what am I hearing? Why am I not hearing? Ask. Maybe there's more after that. Maybe the nothing is the something. Maybe it's he's drawing you into nature. He speaks through nature, speaks through people. Nothing equals something. So when you sit down to seek God, to ask to hear his voice, if nothing is there, that does not mean that he is not there. Nothing is something. Say that back to me. All right. I do want to share this story. I keep doing this, but I've got to share this. About a year ago, um, I evidently have no problem with this kind of prayer. I'm not using that as a badge. It's just one that's easier for me than others. I enjoy it. When I sit down to do this kind of prayer, I feel like I will hear from God even if I don't. I promise you I'm not bragging. It's just one I'm confident. That's not everybody here. But I was with a friend about a year ago, and I, I prayed that God would speak to me. And, and I have a friend who we kind of pray with each other, and through a process of opening our imaginations, I believe that God began to speak. I didn't know what it meant then. So the first thing that happened, can I just walk you guys through this personal experience? First thing that happened is in my, in my mind's eye, I looked down, and I had these, this pair of Adidas somethings. 
NMDs, which is stupid. This is how I know it's already not me, because God's speaking to me about Adidas NMDs, which is like dumb. So I look down, and I love the shoes. I'm like, oh, I want those shoes. And then he begins to speak to me about the feet. Well, why am I talking to you about your feet? Well, I know that the gospel is taken by the feet of peace. And in that scenario, I see myself stand up and go into uh, a group of not fun environment people. Like it was a harsh environment. And Jesus was telling me, I've given you your calling is to take the gospel of peace. So to me, for you, it will be different. To me, when I heard that that was the gospel he wanted me to speak, which is the gospel, I was so excited because I want to see peace come between divisions. I, you always hear me talking about unity. So this is a part of my calling. And I go into this deep, like, I'm, I I'm, got my shoes on, my NMDs, in my spiritual dream. I actually went and bought them later because of this. So if you, if you see them, that's why, right? And I also see a BMW right now <laughs> in a mansion. Just kidding. All right, so I'm in this, and I'm down, and, and it's not working. And I look up, and in, in my mind's eye, I'm even seeing it now, like it's just a picture. I look over, and God is on a hill, and he's like, he's standing here not mad, but he's, he's showing me I'm with you. I'm not right next to you right now. And as I look at him, the, the situation kind of melts. And as I look at him, the, it dissipates, and the, the forces around me are dissipating, and he shares with me right now, this is you in the next season, this is prayer. This is where a lot of this came from. When you seek me without knowing what to do in the midst of the battles that are coming, they will dissipate, and I will become stronger. And then, and then I look up, and I see Sarah in his lap. And I don't understand it. And she's sitting in his lap, and he says to me, she's going to have to be with me for a while. This is before the sabbatical. And I let Jesus take care of Sarah, and I went back, and I kept praying, and then a couple months later, God speaks to Sarah in our community, you need to go on a sabbatical. This is the way that Jesus speaks to us. These are the ways that he draws us into what he's saying. This is the way he showed me he was real and he's for me. And that if I press in, he will help not just me become an awesome version of me, but bring health to my wife, our family stronger than it's ever been. I want to be here. There is fights here. Believe me, there are things under the surface that the enemy is trying to do and that the spirit of God is moving in and trying to work towards. But I know that Jesus is here and he's leading us but he's reminding me in January, you can be with him. You don't need to be like the Israelite community that demanded that Saul be king. He didn't even want that for them. He wants you to be with him. So he's offered himself to you. So if you guys could stand with me. I don't think I've ever cried in here before like that, and I just feel awkward now, so... The role of the body of Christ is to be the voice piece of Christ. To be the voice piece of Christ, we have to hear God. To hear God is active. For each generation, they had to decipher. Oh, you look like you're breaking stones and trees right now. Oh, you look like you're whispering to people right now. Oh, you look like you're saying, beloved, my son, right now. Each generation gets to decipher and press in to hear the voice of God for where God has placed them. This is our job. And not just as a job, but as a starting place for identity. So if you don't know who you are, 
If you feel so blocked that all of my words today have made you angry, let this be the starting point for you to have with him what he's always desired for you to have with him. Intimacy. Not so that you can only be with him, but so you can become like him and do what he did. Over here on the table, there are plenty of resources about praying into, hearing God's voice. We have pots that we need people to to answer for us, our prayers of the season. We need your thoughts. They're on your seat. You can put them over there. In this room over here, after we do communion, Ashley Carmen, will you raise your hand? She's one of the most gifted people at this that I've met. She's helped me five or six times. The X's and O's of beginning to hear the voice of God. How can I know? How is he speaking to me already? She's going to spend a few minutes in there on that. We're not going to stay there forever. If you have kids, go in there for a little bit and then go get your kids. And then over here, we have Leslie. Where's Leslie at? Hey, Leslie. She's going to be leading people through one of the biggest blockages to hearing the voice of God. The inability to forgive other people or yourself. I'm just telling you right now, I know half the people in this room, including myself, have people we do not want to forgive. And you already know the, the, the idea. It's like pulling a boat behind you full of bricks. And then someday somebody cuts you and you're like, oh, I was the one paying for that. So if you want to be guided through a prayer of forgiveness or how to forgive, Leslie will be in that room. If you could get ready for communion, our teams, we're going to do this every Sunday of this month. Allow yourself to become present right now. This is the culmination of what we are doing. This is the body and blood of Christ. The early church did this. The middle church did this. The now church does this to remember all of this is not about us. It's about Jesus, and Jesus is here in this form right now. It's not just a symbol either. This is not just a symbol. Or why would Jesus do it? I'm not saying what I know know what it is, but I know that it's a reminder every time we do it. I am in control. On the night he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. And when he had given thanks to you, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup of wine, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for the many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink this, do this for remembrance of me. So we're all going to say together, Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again on the count of three, one, two, three. Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. And Father, as we enter this, we ask that you would forgive us for coming to this table only for solace and not for dreaming about stepping into this future where you've placed us, to be reminded that our center is you. It's not a website. It's not a podcast. It's not a good book. It's not a group of Christians that have come up with this creative idea, but Jesus. Jesus, help us to be with you at your speed. And what if your speed is so slow that we have to stop everything? Father, we just thank you for a body that wants to seek after you and not just do what we think is right. Help everyone in here to receive the fullness of everything that you have for them today, God. So that just like at the end of Psalm 29, they are strengthened and have peace, God. We thank you for a body that will seek you, and we thank you for today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.